guys. Um, welcome to our first episode of Talk About It, Sis. Um, this is a podcast that I'm starting with my cousin, Amanda. Um, we just really wanted to start a podcast to talk about all the things we talk about in our everyday lives, from like mental health to dating to trauma to parenting. Um, and so we figured the best place to do that uh, was a podcast. So a little bit about me. I am... Um, 30. I live in Brooklyn. Stand up. Um, and I am a journalist. Um, and Amanda is my cousin. Uh, and do you want to tell him a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am 34, turning 35 soon, uh, living in Washington, D.C. I'm a recent counseling graduate, but I currently work in government. So I'm just happy to be on this podcast journey with my cousin to kind of... Um, to me, this is also a form of therapy, being able to talk about things and hopefully we can help some people too. Yeah, with our life experiences. Because even us, when we talk, I'm like, yeah, we have totally different experiences. Like the yeah. way we see things is totally different. So it would just be interesting to see how we uh, get this mm-hmm. done. <laughs> um, but anyway, so today we wanted our first topic uh, to be about generational trauma, because I think it's something that impacts uh, a bunch of people, especially in uh, communities of color. Um, so Amanda, would you want to tell us a little bit about what generational trauma is? Sure. So um, other terms you may also see will be transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma, but it's all pretty much the same. And trauma generally is our emotional response to a tragic event, a terrible event, anything that we deem as um, intense, really intense. And so it is subjective, but the scientific definition is like something serious, like a natural disaster, um, some, you know, violence, an accident. But in all actuality, it could be a divorce. It could be, you know, losing your goldfish. Um, it could be so many things. So with the generational trauma, it's things that um, it's traumatic events our ancestors experienced, our great grandparents. And oftentimes when people use it, they like to cite um, slavery and the Holocaust. And it is those things. But like I said before, it could be something so so not as uh, widespread. So it could be that great granddad who was an alcoholic. It could be that great great aunt who was uh, raped or experienced sexual abuse. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, just in general, I feel like a lot of us um, experience trauma, whether it's at the hands of our parents or the hands of a relative. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, when the generation before us doesn't heal from that type of stuff, the children Mm -hmm. that come from them pay the consequences. Um, And if we don't recognize it, then the cycle just continues. Um, Yeah, Uh, I wanted to talk about because we're cousins um, and we come from, you know, the same side of the family uh, on Mm -hmm. on our mom's side. My mom, uh, uh, well, my grandmother is um, Amanda's mom's sister. So we didn't really grow up together, though, Uh, but we just got really cool when I was, what, like almost in my 20s. Um, So we probably have vastly different experiences. Well, regardless, Mm -hmm. we probably have vastly different experiences. Um, But I want you, I guess, to tell me a little bit about if you feel like generational trauma impacted your life or impacted, you know, maybe your siblings. Um. 
trauma for me, the way I, through my lens, is something that is very tragic. And I don't believe that I experienced anything. I think my mother did a really good job in protecting us. By us, I mean my two siblings from whatever she experienced. I mean, I can't say that I know my mom experienced something. I can only go by what I hear. She has shared some things with me in my adulthood, but for the most part, I would have been oblivious. I don't think I experienced anything that changed the way I perceived the world. Like I don't feel unsafe with my mom. I don't feel like I can't talk to her. We have general mom, daughter, you know, tension sometimes, but if it comes from something she experienced, it's it's unconscious or it's not intentional. What was your experience like growing up? Because like you said, I mean, we didn't really, we were, we had our time together when we were little and then like by around 10 to 20, we just didn't have any interaction. So. Um, yeah, I think uh, generational trauma impacted me a great deal. I know that obviously my grandmother and your mom grew up in the same household, so I don't really know what that household is like, but I can only guess based upon the relationships that the siblings have that grew up in that house, which are to me dysfunctional. Um, and so when I look at that, um, and then I see how my mother and her mother interact and kind of like the ins and outs of that relationship and how before I really started doing deeper trauma work, um, me and my mom's relationship was like that as well. Now we have a much better relationship, but we had to like work through those old patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was tough. So I definitely think that that was a result of generational trauma from, you know, whatever they, they experienced as children. And who knows, whatever my great great grandmother experienced as a child. So, you know, mm-hmm. we can only go through hearsay because we weren't there, but I know that right. my mom experienced a lot of trauma as a child. And yeah, as a result, uh, we did too. Yeah. And that's like the other part of the trauma because it was like we have our mother's side, but then we got to deal with what may happen with our father's side. And so while we definitely are in the same family, so my grandma is Maya's great grandma, basically. Um, that's how that works. And so like your grandma is much older than my mother. Um, your, you know, your grandma may have seen or experienced a different side of my grandma than my mother did because of an age group. I mean, different fathers. There's so many factors that could influence it. And I think that's another hard part of generational trauma is not knowing. Sometimes people think if we can hide it, that, you know, everything will be okay. But if you're not healing from what you're hiding, it still comes out in other ways. And that's a huge thing, I think, in general. Um, like, I remember, you know, being told things that a kid, as a kid that I'm now older and realized were totally toxic, which is like, uh, you don't tell anybody what happens in this house, <laughs> you know, like things like that. And then, you know, we, a lot of us grew up, and I'm sure the generation before us even more grew up in this mm-hmm. kind of like a veil of secrecy. You weren't allowed to tell when things happened to you. You weren't allowed to tell other people if things were going really bad, you know, and then you grow mm-hmm. up, you never talk about it because mm-hmm. you know, the generations before us didn't really have the same type of mental health access that we have. Or, you know, uh, I mean, I think you put me on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're worrying about how you're going to put food on the table, you don't have time mm-hmm. to think about deeper traumas. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. You know, so we have the privilege now. Um, and I think because I'm looking at my own trauma, um, I have to go back and see like, okay, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um and I think because I'm doing that, 
I'm seeing a change with my relationship with my own mom, which gives me hope that, you know, I'll see a change in relationship with if I decide to have children. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so can you tell me, I guess, a little bit about your dad's side and if you feel there was like trauma there? On my father's side, if there was any kind of trauma or something, I don't know. My father is a Jamaican man. And so like many men in a lot of cultures, but especially Caribbean, it's basically work, work, work. We're not talking about feelings. <laughs> we're, we're not doing that. We're just, I'm here to work and then, then that's it. And so I do believe my dad suffers from like depression and alcoholism and things, but I, it's like, I'll never know why. And I think that's the part of the trauma that can't get healed because as children, we may pick up certain habits, but we don't know why we pick up that habit because our parent didn't tell us or, you know, teach us, not want to say teach us why they're doing something, but it becomes part of who they are versus a response to what they went through. Mm. And so like my dad's a drinker. I'm a drinker. I drink with my dad, you know, but I, I don't know why he drinks so much. How do you how do you think that that like impacts you guys' relationship? Like not really know like when you think about people, right? Like, and I often think of this about my dad. My dad's also Caribbean. We're from Guyana, and like, what like what was your life actually like? Like, who are you? You know, because like so much of who they are is informed by like where they came from. And if you have no idea what that looks like, how do you really like? How do you relate to this person? How do you think that affected you like emotionally and being able to like connect with your dad? That is a great question. I don't, I should ask you that first. I don't know if that is like the same way if your dad talks to you about his past, his feelings. Yeah, I think as I've gotten older, my dad is a lot more, um, a lot more expressive, Um, but I don't think I'll ever know the depths of anything really. I think that the generation before us also uh, just had different, I don't want to say they had different emotional needs because that's definitely not true, but like Mm -hmm. worried about different things. Like Mm -hmm. when I'm an adult now and I look at my adult life and I look at my childhood, I'm like, damn, you know, I could have really used some more emotional Mm -hmm. availability or like Mm -hmm. care or my dad telling me these things. Um, or this, and that would have like helped me grow into, uh, you, you know, grow in in a way that would have been maybe easier. Do you know? Do you feel like you know something about his past? Something that shaped yeah. who who you are? Yeah, I think that he worked really hard. My grandmother came to America, um, you know, to create a better life for them. My dad uh, recently was telling me, you know, how he got here and he came because he knew that, you know, he wasn't going to have the life that he wanted if he stayed in Guyana. And so he came here and he went to uh, Columbia for undergrad and then he uh, went to law school and now he's an attorney um, and he created, you know, he's written books. He's created, you know, a really great life for himself. But do I ever think I'll know like the ins and out of his childhood and what it was like to be in his home no is that something I would love to know yeah because I think it gives you great insight into like who a person is like even in like dating relationships like Mm -hmm. I want to know what type of home the guy I'm dating grew up in because I think it informs how they react to things like it's but do I think I'll ever know that no um and I do think that that uh has impacted 
me because like how he was raised um I think Caribbean men in general are just like not I don't want to generalize <laughs> but Hello. a lot of a lot of Caribbean men that I've met are just like not as in touch with their emotions and I think I'm a highly emotional person um you know I'm I'm empathetic I express myself and so that was really hard for me growing up to not have that like my love language is words of affirmation to not have my dad telling me like, Hey, you're beautiful or not having my dad be like, you know, I love you so much or not having my dad be like, yeah, watch out for these types of guys. <laughs> like, definitely. so yeah, I think that, I think that definitely impacted me, but what about you? And, and saying that it's like our parents, you know, we have our own personality, but our parents definitely shape our love language. I mean, I mean, I feel like I don't have a true love language. I don't know. I, my dad's way of showing me that he loved me was just being present, like being there, protecting me. He did. Um, he also gave me things like gifts and things like that. And I think that's why that's all I need now. But as I grow and I get older, there are things that I miss or things that take interest in me. Like I like words of affirmation and maybe I wouldn't be so comfortable uncomfortable with words of affirmation if my father did show me those things like words of affirmation like they make me feel like like don't say that it's not true I just I just don't (laughs) it's not it's not normal for me I just didn't get that Mm. and I I mean in many ways our parents shape the way we take in love yeah the way we love I mean obviously it's kind of you know it's cliche but the way our parents loved us that's what we kind of look for you know it's true. And what's also interesting is they say that like your parents voice to towards you as a kid becomes your internal voice. Mm, yeah. I find that to definitely be true. And then, yeah, like it, it, it's, it's definitely true. <laughs> um, I mean, how would it not be true? These people are raising you and literally shaping who you are as a human. Basically. <laughs> it's like you have one job, raise your kids. Yeah. It's like the one job parents have is when in having children is, is overlooked. But we talk about finances, making sure your kids have clothes on their back, food on the table, but we don't stress enough about how important it is to support our kids emotionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just sitting in the bed last week and I'm just thinking like, we're like, do you have enough money to raise kids? Do you have a house? Did you finish being single and having fun? But we're not talking about, are you emotionally ready to raise a child? Because it's, it's 10 times to me more important than actual finances. Because at the end of the day, if you can feed your child and clothe them and have the basic necessities, they're good. But what about emotionally? Like, yeah. those kids are crying times like this during a pandemic. Like, some of us are going crazy. No, it's true. I can't even imagine what parents are going through right now. I'm like trying to parent my damn self. And I'm like, girl, you do much. <laughs> <laughs> what you said about love languages, because oh, I found that like, as I, my love language changed as I started to heal, like my Ooh. love language to definitely be like words of affirmation and I loved them because I never got that as a kid. And I'm like, oh my God, like, they must love me. And the crazy part is like, people could do whatever. Right. And as long as their words sounded nice, it was enough for me. Right. You know, like, so their actions totally did not line up with anything that they were saying. But I was just like eating up because I'm like, well, this is this is loud. This is what I needed. Um, right. I've grown and I've healed. Um, yeah, my love language is quality time. You know, I just want to mm-hmm. be in 
somebody's presence. I just want to be around them. So I, I, I thought it was interesting that like five years apart, I took the quiz and they, when I got into therapy and it was just totally different um, results. That's so crazy. Cause how you're saying like words of affirmation were like, Oh, I like that. It was the opposite for me. And I didn't receive it. I was like, whatever you're lying. Yeah. Just because you said it doesn't mean you love me. Because my dad doesn't say those things, and I know he loves me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a totally different response. It's so yeah. like who you are as a person. Um, yeah. So another thing about like having children and being mentally ready, like I, when I was 23, I literally was like, oh my God, I have baby fever. I cannot wait to have children. Yes. Like, that was like my life's purpose <laughs> um, or like something like I always knew that I wanted to do. Um, but also that's what I said. Like, as I, you know, one thing I think about a lot is like, who is your trauma identity and who is your actual identity? And mm. I think for very long yeah. I lived in my trauma identity. Like this is my personality. This is who I am. But then as I started to heal, I'm like, no, actually like, that's not who I am at all. <laughs> and now that I'm like older, I'm like, oh wait, like this is who I am. So like now that I've done a lot of the work, I realized that I wanted to have children because I wanted to heal that part of me. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm give these kids the love I never felt like I got. Yeah. We're going to be free. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think like two years ago, we were like sitting in this room and you were talking about your desires and dreams of like having kids and it's like totally different now just two years difference yeah so I'm really like just transformed honestly and like I'm not opposed to the idea of having kids I'm just not you I'm just not thinking about kids as a uh, a, a tool to heal myself you know like yeah. if, I chose, if I choose to have kids it's because I'm coming from like a healthy place and I want to nurture and you know raise a child and have a family but like it's not a band-aid for my trauma anymore. You know, the idea of children and a family. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, it's a good, you said it and the thought just sparked my brain. Like I've always had this idea. I think in my early twenties, even though like I was like a super tomboy and probably no one expected that married. I always had a goal of getting married, having kids and having this like picket fence because of my parents divorcing. And I always said, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to divorce. We're going to have like this perfect family. And that was in my plan. Like it was in my plan for me. And I don't think I necessarily forced marriage, but I always knew that that's something that I wanted and that I wanted that. And then I wanted to have children. And I thought if I did it in this order, everything would be perfect. And no, because (laughs) the only thing I was worried about was making sure I had enough money (laughs) to raise a kid and making sure I had a man who loved me. But it was like more than that. It's like, wait, am I even emotionally ready to be in a relationship, like a committed relationship? Am I mentally ready to raise a kid? And I never said those things to myself. And how do you feel now looking back at yourself and where you were at that at the time that you did do those things? <sighs> uh, <laughs> tell them, tell, tell them how you really feel. <laughs> I feel like I went through a lot of emotional stress it was a lot of work. I did more work than I had to if I had prepared myself. And I don't think it's realistic to always be in this perfect place when you get in a relationship. I mean, that's not even realistic. But if I had known then, if I'd taken therapy a little more serious, if I had taken how my mental health could affect my marriage and kid, I just would have did better. But I was like still young, 
You yeah. know, I, I wish the work right. I'm doing at 34, I wish I was doing it at 24. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's what everyone says. That's right. <laughs> the point of life. If we could all go back and do things differently. Right. But the good part is that we're learning and I'm learning this before my kids are leaving the nest. I can, you know, do this work now and then you're doing the work. So if you decide to have children one day, you're conscious of it. And I think that's the ultimate goal is us not carrying this baggage and putting the world on our kids' shoulders. Yeah. Um, and then I guess because you're married, you can kind of talk about like uh, if your spouse has trauma and how that impacts your parenting together. I mean, yeah, my, my spouse definitely has his own experiences um, that I'm not, you know, going to share um, without his permission or anything. But that's another thing. When we commit to someone, we commit to, we call it baggage, but at the end of the day, we all come with something. So I, I kind of want to get away from that term baggage. It's just, they come with something, you come with something. We all have life experiences. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we're trying to make it work with all the stuff that we know. Like, what do we know? We're just two, you know, 20 year old somethings who got married because that's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But we also come with everything in our life and we're like putting it together. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, let's go. Throw everything yeah. in the room. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. It makes me really think about like how important though it is to choose a a spouse that you feel like you can work through those things with. And I feel like because I have literally spent the last four years just like digging deep into myself and like really doing the work to resolve some of these like unhealed things, I feel like, yeah, I think I'm, I, I might be like extra you know, I'm extra like, okay, has this man dealt with his trauma? Like I want, I want, I want, I want talks and they're like dating in your thirties and they're like, so where do you work? Do you have a job? What type of family did you come from? You know? right. I mean, seriously. Yeah, that's how it is. But these are things I never would have thought about had I gotten married at 25, you know, I'm just like, yeah, definitely into that. you know, definitely. Like, the only thing I think I may have considered is like, physical like you know when you go to the doctor's office when you're planning the baby they're actually about all this these diagnoses does this parent have diabetes this one have heart but we don't really talk about you know the family like about the impact of the emotional support that we've got and that turns and that, I mean that shows up in our marriages and raising kids because when our kids are going through tough times do we know how to support them yeah like wait what do I do when my child's crying because some kid at school doesn't want to be his friend. And you're like, what? <laughs> what do I do? You know, you think that you, what you went through was so much more traumatic that your child shouldn't be infect- affected by this. And so when kids are growing up like in healthy homes, things that we view as it's not that serious really is serious. I had to check myself. My son was so upset that he didn't get picked on in class. He didn't feel valued. And my first thought was, it's not that serious. Like, you know, you're important. <laughs> but I had to realize that it doesn't have to be the end of the world for a child to feel bad or about themselves. And so for me, I'm learning that about self. Everything doesn't have to be like super, super a trap. I think you told me that. I, I told you that I don't feel like that the things that I went through are as important as other people's because yeah. it's not that serious to me. And yeah, so I don't believe that. that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm alive, so I'm okay. Like, no one's dead. I'm alive. I'll get through it. No, 
because then you belittle your own experiences and how much they impacted you. You know, you know, even if it's not necessarily, if you don't want to like label it as trauma, like your experiences are valid, and like we don't have to be like, oh well, this person got shot, so I, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like I'm good. Like I just think that's like you know, it, it's kind of like gaslighting yourself, honestly. Yeah, I'm definitely working on that because I think that would impact me being a therapist anyway. Because hmm. if I do get a patient or a client who's like upset. I mean, people talk all the time about having rich clients. Like, oh, I lost my yacht today. And I'm like, uh, are you serious? <laughs> but at the end of the day, their experiences are valid. And so I'm training myself. So when I'm not working with like at-risk clients and stuff, I can still be empathetic and sympathetic to people. And, yeah. and, and that's because of how I view myself. So thank you for that day you told me. My experiences matter. <laughs> Aww, I'm glad I could help. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about like how we can, you know, break cycles, even if it's not necessarily trauma, but like you said, like, you know, you're changing the way you parent, uh, and realizing that, you know, little things are important and your child feeling valued are, is important. So how do you think we like as adults now can be a part of like breaking those cycles of parenting and making sure our children feel loved and safe and all those good things? I mean, unlearn. <laughs> People always say you got to unlearn. We like have to literally unlearn and relearn. But that takes a conscious effort. I mean, look about how many books we have to read. Yeah. <laughs> All the, 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 the therapy, the weekly therapy. I mean, it's draining in itself. But yeah. I think the very first step is just being aware. Just like present in the moment, aware of what's going on and doing our best. Can't get it right all the time. But. No, you definitely can't. And like, there's something I read in like a bill. I think it was Bell Hooks, the book all about love. Um, mm-hmm. She said like most kids do well on good enough parents, and that mm-hmm. like that was like you know wow that's that was really like all you have you don't have to be perfect. All you have to right. do is be good enough. Like your your kids just need to know that they're loved and that you're gonna take care of them. You don't got to do it right every day. And um, I was also interviewing like a a psychologist at my, I think it was a psychologist, a therapist um, at my job during the pandemic. And uh, she was talking about how like parents feel that they have to be like perfect in front of their children or act like they have everything together. But she said, it's more powerful to go to your kid and just say, Hey, mommy's having a really hard time right now. <laughs> you know, like, because kids are smart. They understand. And, they know. They yeah. Know. They know. And, and that shows them like, Hey, you know, I can express my emotions if I'm having a bad day, you know, Definitely. I think like a lot of parenting is like modeling our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, can we show them our own emotional health so that they can mirror mm-hmm. it? That's what kids Yeah, it's true. I mean, whether uh, you're in a role of a coach or a teacher, you don't, you know, you necessarily don't need to have kids to know you got to be a good model. You can have an intern, like someone looking at you yeah. is modeling. And talking all about this, and I don't know about you, but there are certain things that I feel like I was hesitant to share Oh. because like what if my mom or dad like listen to this yeah they feel like they did something wrong would they feel like they weren't being the best parents like how do parents like face this like hey my kid shared some things that that might have impacted them growing up mm-hmm. and I'm just now hearing about it. <laughs> like how did you approach your mom you said you did all this work with your mother how did your mom take it yeah, in the beginning, it was really tough. Um, but I think I've been taught me and my mom have been talking about 
my childhood most of my life. <laughs> and so in the beginning, it was really tough. And I think it was like a real source of, you know, a, a real source of arguments and anger and pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just reality. When trauma is present, is going to be, you know, working through that is hard. Like, under no circumstances is it are these types of conversations ever really going to be easy mm-hmm. um, but i think it's important to be honest and to be true to yourself first mm-hmm. um i'm like i i don't say anything to like disparage my parents i think that my parents did the best that they could with the tools that they had um but as i i think as i uh you know really started getting more mature and um, changing the way that I interact with people through my own healing, my relationship with my mom changed. And she started really taking responsibility for a lot of the things that happened mm-hmm. and didn't internalize it as though like, yeah, I made a mistake, but that doesn't make me a bad person. Like, whereas I feel like some parents who have issues with um, mm-hmm. really, accepting, <laughs> yeah, really accepting what happened is because it, it's guilt, you know, mm. it's hard to to be like, you know, have your child tell you that. Cause then you're like, well, did I fail as a parent? And that, then that comes with a whole other host of emotions. So I get, I get it being hard. I definitely agree. I think I expressed something to my mom and like a week later. Um, so what else did I do that could have impacted? <laughs> I'm like, relax, you know? Yeah, that's amazing that she's willing to inquire. Like that is a huge uh, thing in itself. Like how many parents are just like, well, whatever, I did the best I could. Or like, you don't know what I went through. Right. I school 62 miles. You think, you know, like, there's always, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to eat. My mom always says they had to eat pictures of food. Oh, my God. <laughs> we had to eat pictures of food. We were so hungry. I'm like, okay. Oh, I hope that's not true, you know. <laughs> I've been there. So based on like the conversation that we had in this little bit of time, do you have like any takeaways? I know a takeaway for me is I think I may muster up the courage to ask my dad about what it was like. (laughs) It's crazy how like as outgoing as I am and how much I talk, I'm just like scared to ask my dad about his feelings. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm going to try after this conversation. I really want to try. That's really about you. That's really powerful. Um, I I don't know if it's a takeaway from this episode, but it just, it makes me really happy to be able to talk about, like when I think about my relationship with my mom, we didn't have a relationship two years ago, you know, Mm -hmm. at all. So just to be able to come on this podcast and really talk about it and see how far we've come and see that we have a really good relationship now is honestly like a miracle. And Mm -hmm. so I just like wanted to emphasize like that the work the a, a lot of the times the work is worth it, um, even if it's not in the timing that we mm-hmm. think is. Point. The timing, timing is important. Seriously, yeah. yeah, the timing is important, and I don't want to keep dragging this out, but I think about people who have haven't really tied up loose ends with their parents and they pass away. I don't want to regret not asking my parents something or knowing something about them. I mean, that's gotta. I can imagine that's got to hurt. And that's to me why I think I went, I went a few years like angry at my father. I was kind of like, whatever. I don't care if I see him again for the rest of my life. <laughs> like I I went through that phase and then yeah. I found some forgiveness. I, I you know, I understand, I gained more understanding and I'm so happy that he's now actively involved in our lives and um, me and my siblings' children lives. So yeah. 
And I would say, I would also say to that though, like for some people that's possible, but for some people, the abuse in their childhood was so bad that that's, just oh, yeah. possible, you know, like, yeah. and like forgiveness for some people isn't always the best. Like, I, I know that that's not like a popular opinion, but like, you don't always have to forgive people. And I know like a lot of times people are shamed into forgiving people that have hurt mm. them by saying like, oh, well, you just need to forgive. Like, that's your mother or like, that's your father. But like, if it's detrimental to you, yeah, you know, and your well-being and the things that they have done to you are like unforgivable things, then I'm an advocate of do what you got to do, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk about it. Thanks guys for joining us uh, for this episode of talk about it, sis. Um, we are excited for the journey to come and we'll be back with another episode in two weeks. All right. All right. Bye guys. Deuces.